Welcome back to See and Free Studio. This is the place where you come to discover what makes you unique, special, and different. And today's guest is someone that I got to meet through Clubhouse. And he had such provocative and cool answers to some of the questions that we were talking about, about how to discover USD that I wanted him on the show. Ben Wu is a strategy consultant helping companies better understand their consumers and make decisions in order to grow. He's worked in a number of different agencies, including Monitor Group, Chiat Day, a boutique investment bank called McCafferty and & Company, and he's now partner and managing director at Red Sky Strategy. It's a boutique strategy and insights consultancy. He lives in LA with his wife and daughter, and I can't wait to hear more about Mr. Ben Wu. Ben, welcome. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, thanks for coming. I'm so glad you made it out to the studio mm -hmm. and you're hanging out with me here today. But where are you normally? I spend most of my time in Los Angeles, California, in uh, the neighborhood of Echo Park. Well, tell me about Echo Park, because uh, if anyone knows LA, it's very spread out and you don't always <laughs> know all the neighborhoods. So what's Echo Definitely. Park like? Um, Echo Park is a residential neighborhood uh, kind of between downtown and Hollywood, I would say. Uh, we're also next to Dodger Stadium. Uh -huh. um, so lots going on. but. We're fortunate enough to be surrounded by trees uh, that even touch each other in the middle of the street, uh, which is something I've always valued. So um, yeah, it's been a wonderful neighborhood to live in and um, to uh, start a family. Yes, well, and congratulations. Thank I know you. you have your daughter. Um, so how's it going with, with uh, starting a family? How's fatherhood? It's been honestly great. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been a funny last 12 months for the whole world, last 13 months or so. Um, but doing so with a child has, has been a blessing. Um, you know, sometimes there are real challenges to it. You know, would have loved to have more family come visit, would have loved to um, have her be able to socialize a bit more. Uh, but being able to spend time with my daughter um, in, in that first year has been you know, an opportunity I wouldn't have gotten otherwise between business travel or just late nights at the office. Um, and we were fortunate enough to already be prepping in some ways because we were prepping to have a baby. So we were already doing things like we bought an extra freezer and we meal prepped <laughs> and we did a lot of things that were otherwise people were just catching up to. So we we're a little ahead of the curve. Um, and so um, but we are excited to uh, to be starting to uh, to get out there and see folks again. Yeah, that's good. And, yeah, and introduce her to the world. Absolutely. She just met her aunt for the first time uh, last week and um, one more grandparent to go. Yes, well, that's good. I, I'm so glad you're getting to yeah. introduce her to family. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben, you're a strategy consultant and you kind of make sense of the world for consumers mm -hmm. and for the agencies you support. Can you tell people a little bit about what you do? Definitely. So yeah, consulting is one of those things where uh, if somebody asks what you do and you say that, they're like, okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. um, and it was difficult even for my parents to understand for the first uh, decade or so that I was in the business. Um, but for me, what that means is, is really helping businesses to, as you mentioned, to, to understand their consumers uh, and then make decisions based on that in order to grow. So not just decisions based on what products they have currently or what markets they're in currently uh, or even what successes they've had in the past. Um, but we work with them to figure out better ways to, uh, to connect to people. And we do so often through quantitative and qualitative primary research. So through surveys and interviews and focus groups uh, or eth ethnographies or other kinds of analytics. Um, so we like figuring out these kinds of problems and, and helping people understand just what is going on with the human at the end of this long business chain that you do. Uh, and so in doing so, we're able to um, bring that humanity back in. We're able to help businesses um, you know, help to make sense of what's going on and, and plan for the future. Yeah. 
Well, as you kind of entered into this field, you've worked in different agencies, you know, we're trying to figure out like, what's that common thing, that passion, that thing that fuels you mm -hmm. through your through your career, your interests, your hobbies, your, you know, being a dad. Um, it's called your unique, special and different, mm -hmm. your USD. So what do you think that is for you? For me, I, um, well, first of all, it's funny, um, the first time that you had asked me that question, um, I instantly just gave the elevator pitch for my business because I've been so used to doing that. And as entrepreneurs, we get so wrapped up in kind of conflating our identity with our businesses mm -hmm. or conflating, well, who who am I as a professional versus who am I as an individual? Um, and so the first time you had asked that, I, I mentioned, again, it's, you know, understanding consumers, decisions to grow. But the more I thought about it, it was like, well, actually, there's other folks who do that, but not like I do. Mm -hmm. um, and so in thinking about it more, I, I think it's actually the ability to kind of understand multiple different ways of communication that's uh, that is at play in a given space and then be able to to bring people together uh, whether they are kind of coming from one side of the fence or the other and actually kind of leading that with a vision and with um, with a sense of positivity and excitement that can help enroll people in that and, and get things moving yeah was that something I mean thank you for that by the way that's a really good powerful insight because we we talk about like finding your USD and then if you can monetize it, make mm -hmm. money with it, do it for a living, that's that's incredible. You know, and some of us have that opportunity mm -hmm. and some some struggle to, to figure out how to do that. And you're talking about like that conflated identity mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> between yeah. the two, because it is it is who you are. It's the, per, you know, the passion that you pursue. Mm -hmm. um, but I like that you kind of discovered that it's the how yeah. is how you do it. That that really di differentiates you. Mm -hmm. um, so is that something that you discovered over time? Is Was there a seminal moment? in your life where you discovered like this is what that I you know what drives mm -hmm. me I think so it was um, you know after after uh, initially started my career at monitor group and learning how to do things the big consulting firm kind of way and uh, you know met a lot of brilliant really kind people and it was a great place to start a career then I went to a big ad agency um, and it was a bit different there were all different kinds of people that were interacting around things and not necessarily all at the same time um, and so, whereas at Monitor, we all had the same title on our business card, it all said consultant, for better or for worse, we were able to, um, you know, understand us, uh, understand people as, oh, you're just one of those people. Whereas in an agency, everyone's got a different job to the point that they might be speaking a whole different language. And so really being able to understand uh, kind of how things uh, are going with regard to an overall uh, initiative, but then figuring out how does everybody have a role in this and how do they think about this? and nobody was really seeing things the same way. Um, and it kind of struck me that actually through the course of something as, uh, as vanilla as a research project, through the process, you can actually bring people together such that they can collaborate in ways that they wouldn't have otherwise. So for instance, in a lot of businesses, sales and marketing often feud. Um, they are incentivized differently. Um, and so, uh, and both of them have jointly to report onto finance or onto corporate. And there's often finger pointing, and sometimes there's even an internal research group trying to help them solve arguments between those different pieces. Um, but just from seeing it from an outside perspective, coming from the agency, you want to see that actually this is this is a solvable problem. Like, there are a lot of motions here, but let's figure out process-wise kind of how these groups should be linked together, and kind of what are those points of failure, and then how do we get them all excited and trust each other enough to actually come to the table at the same time. Um, and that's something that, you know, I feel like in my life I've, 
I was the one in high school that kind of flitted among a bunch of different lunch tables. Or I was, you know, uh, on, in one season I was on the lacrosse team and another season I was in the school play. Um, and so I always kind of valued the ability to, um, the ability to be able to relate to anybody and be able to, um, and be able to learn from anybody to the point where we can make new things happen. Um, and so really kind of over the course of my career, I've seen more and more value in that. Whereas earlier on, you're just trying to f fulfill a certain task or fulfill a certain role. Um, but as you go on, you start having to solve problems that haven't existed before. And when you're really trying to do those things and bring together teams that haven't worked together before, that's when you really need to listen to people and be able to check for understanding and make sure that everybody's on the same team going forward. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I think bringing people together and, and, and you said you've been like that since you were younger, <laughs> right? Um, and you've been able to relate to different people. Mm -hmm. You know, as you think about the work that you're doing now with mm -hmm. your agency, um, how are you trying to do things a little differently and, and be able to bring that relatability to people mm -hmm. that you work with? Definitely. So um, there are a lot of things that we do as an organization that other people have heard of before, uh, but we do them differently. And so um, things like market segmentation or things like message testing or concept development. Um, but what people are not used to is the honesty that, hey, 98% of approaches for these things are garbage. Um, here is why they've gone on for so long. Here's why they're so popular. Um, here's why it will not work for you. Um, and so being able to really be direct with people and be able to speak to them from where they are, like, oh, I see that you, you know, spent part of your career in this industry, part in this industry, and part in this company. Um, I kind of know what lies have been told to you from the research point of view from those different spots and kind of know what some of those challenges are. Um, and so just by relating to people and being able to say, hey, I know what you're afraid of. It's not that. This is something that will actually help. And actually, who else is it that you're worried about not understanding this right? Let's bring them into the next call. Let's actually get those people into the room um, because it's a lot easier uh, to kind of let that sunlight in and, and, uh, and be transparent and let things go as a, instead of having to remember, wait a minute, who should I not invite to this meeting? Or wait, who should I, who is on the CC versus the two line of this email? And it's like, let's actually just blow past that and let's see what we need to do to get things done. Yeah, to find, find that common ground. Exactly. Yeah, which is great. Do you feel, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while as I've worked in businesses, do you feel that businesses are getting too far away from their consumer and kind of that relatability to their consumer? Mm. Or what are you discovering, especially right now in this time? Definitely. Well, I am one of the few people uh, who works with data that says lack of data is not the problem. Um, it's lack of insight and lack of story. Mm. Uh, so right now, most businesses got the memo 15, 20 years ago that, hey, data is important. Start keeping it. <laughs> um, but they haven't figured out yet what to do with it. So you know they have a large pile of hay that they're looking to spin into gold, but they don't really know how or why. Um, and so oftentimes it isn't lack of information, but it is lack of storyline and lack of vision that is actually holding people back. Um, so we've had to really uh, change our approach then. We'd say, actually, we're not here to go find data. You guys have data. But what we're here to do is let's, let's find the thing that you need to make that decision easier to make. So it's not so much, hey, what are you curious about? Or, hey, what is it that, um, that your boss really wants to know? Instead, it's what decision do you have to make and how can we make that less risky? You know, How can we understand what the ROI is uh, on something and how do we improve the ROI on something? Or how do we decide how much to invest in something that we know is a good idea? 
Um, so th taking things more from the uh, from the angle of, well, what are we going to do with it, um, makes things a lot easier. It really shortens the, the list of questions. It shortens the number of people you need to talk to. Um, and ultimately gets people in a place where they start to trust the work better because they know that their time will be valuable in, in, in working on it. So, so really we've seen kind of people getting away from that humanity um, and really losing the forest or the trees. Um, and it's not so much about the bigness of your data or the completeness, um, but it's about can you actually tie it together to make actionable decision-making uh, improvements. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I mean, I think the other thing you just said was, and maybe that's where people can find common ground, I certainly know that to be true, is that common de destination, mm -hmm. right? It's just like, if you have that, mm -hmm. You'll, the, the data will become relevant. Yes. yes. <laughs> Otherwise, if you don't have that, then you're just kind of mm -hmm. uh, meandering through uh, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of data and a lot of information, and not necessarily getting the yeah. connection that you want. So we yeah. So we start with the people. You know, mm -hmm. we before every research project or before every strategy project, we start with a week of stakeholder interviews. It's talking to ten people around the company, saying, "Hey, so this thing is happening." Uh, we're going to be doing this kind of stuff, what would you use it for? Because we want to make it useful for you so that you use it. And that shouldn't be revolutionary, but unfortunately it, it tends to be. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is great, I, Ben. And, and I love that you're taking on a kind of a new approach because I think this year has taught us like what worked for us in the past maybe mm -hmm. won't continue to work for us in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, have you had any reflections over this past year that make you want to uh, change the way you relate to people or the way you approach your life? Definitely. It's, um, we, I felt like um, before I had been relying so much on circumstance and happenstance and, oh, hey, yeah, of course I'll see you at that conference later in the year. I don't need to talk to you and see how you're doing in October. I'll see you in December. Um, but just kind of relying on those things that actually are months out um, and being more proactive in terms of maintaining those connections. Um, I think we kind of, uh, uh, as a people, tend to tend to mistake proximity for intimacy <laughs> um, and being having to be more proactive about going and doing that and, um, and actually understanding not only when to make time, but also how to prioritize that time. Um, it, took, it took people a lot longer to answer the question of what is your favorite restaurant in your neighborhood uh, before, but now everybody knows. Like, what are the top three places you wanted to survive in the past year and a half? Yeah. Um, so some of those prioritizations um, uh, are clearer and the importance to make those is, is there. Um, and just the need to be more proactive about it. I mean, we saw what happens when we don't go out, you know, when things don't happen. Um, and being able to um, kind of pick up on those, those smaller opportunities for connection is something that I won't necessarily sit back and wait to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And and, and meet the relatives. Exactly. And introduce yep. your daughter. <laughs> um, exactly. Well, mm. this is part of the interview where I like to ask a, a, a question. Mm. Um, and you get to choose a number, 1 through 25, and that will dictate what question you get. So what number would you like? Well, um, as I mentioned, my daughter Fiona is turning one year old this week, yeah. uh, next week, so on the 21st. So I'm going to have to go with 21. All right. Okay, who is one person or event that shaped who you are today? One event that um, really helped shape who I am today is one from college, actually. Um, so I uh, went to Northwestern University, and we had, um, we like to say, was the largest fully student-run dance marathon in the world. Um, so we had, uh, my year, we had 600 students dancing for 30 hours straight 
with a 10 minute break every three hours. So, you know, we're not, we're not monsters. Um, but uh, it's a chance for a group of students to come together to raise money for a different cause every year. Um, but it had a different, um, you know, it was a whole different group of students every year doing this. Uh, and so I was uh, fortunate enough to be on the exec board my junior year and then was executive co-chair senior year. And just having the opportunity to work with such a diverse group of people. And we had probably uh, a thousand people on committees, you know, 600 people dancing, um, the rest of the 8,000 person campus supporting it in some way or another. Um, but being able to, to tap into groups of people with different kinds of strengths coming together for a common goal uh, was just fascinating to be to be there for that and being able to see so much progress happen on a year to year basis. Uh, and really being able to see that if, if each of those 12 subgroups, if you can make small advances in each of those subgroups and get them to work better together without me getting in the way, they can do amazing things. Um, and so really that experience of um, uh, not only leadership, but also just service and being just the ability to be a part of that um, uh, definitely left a, a lasting impact. Um, it's something that, uh, believe it or not, I actually even went back and danced as an alumni once. Uh, so I did do it as a dancer before right. making other people do it, um, and then after. Um, but just, yeah, being able to see what, what people can accomplish coming together with a stated goal, um, and where you can just leave the door open to say, hey, there's room for you to innovate. We're all doing it. Um, and so um, having both that kind of standard of excellence, but also opportunity for improvement and for trial is something that uh, I've always uh, strived for. So I've always... Um, you know, I've been thinking about, well, when, when can I get back to, to that kind of moment? Um, but I've been trying to bring that out more in, in my life in, in different ways. Yeah. So are you planning a new dance marathon? Is that what you're telling us? Look out. Get your shoes ready. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think uh, you know, just looking for different kinds of opportunities for service and also thinking about that there are ways for so many different people to, to make contributions in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it wasn't just dancers and people bringing them food. There was also productions and PR and communications and all kinds of things. So... Um, but uh, yeah, if we uh, if we do uh, end up hitting that dance floor soon, I'll let you know. You let me know, definitely. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm always the one. Like, the, have you done the silent disco oh, yet? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's me. You'll find me oh, out there. Nice. I'll I'll die. I'll be the first one out there. <laughs> we always need a first one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, talking about you know creating uh, an impact and bringing lots of people together, you're supporting an organization mm -hmm. called Swipe Out Hunger, mm -hmm. and I really want to bring visibility to nonprofits that people care about. So, can you tell us a little bit about them and how people can get involved? It'd be great to get that same kind of level yeah. of engagement for them. Absolutely. So, Swipe Out Hunger is uh, an amazing organization, um, originally headquartered here in Los Angeles, uh, but now we are at over 100 campuses, and basically what we do is help to uh, eradicate student hunger. Actually, 30% of uh, college students are food insecure, meaning they don't know where the next meal is coming from. Uh, and where that used to be a joke that led to things about ramen, now we know that it's poverty. And that, you know, not it's not only about the admittance rate of people from different backgrounds to getting to college, but also graduation rate. Uh, and oftentimes, even scholarships and financial aid don't cover things like food. Um, and if bills are due, and there's a tuition bill, and there's a grocery bill, which one are you gonna pay? The tuition bill. So um, so, as, uh, so as an organization, what Swipe Out Hunger started out doing was helping students to donate leftover meal points from their meal plans to other students on campus. So I just, as an economist, I love that. I love the idea that there's, there's latent supply going to latent demand and, um, and that that is, is happening efficiently and uh, it can happen systemically. Um, 
But what's happened on the ground is that they've found just more and more ways to make that kind of impact, especially over the last 18 months. So really things as varied as helping students sign up for the SNAP program or helping people just to navigate to benefits that they are already eligible for, but don't necessarily, um, don't necessarily know how to go out and get. So it's an organization that, um, that really works with uh, individual campuses as well as other kinds of organizations that are fighting hunger in all kinds of ways. Um, but just the, the college student is someone that's, that's really been left out of the hunger discussion for a while. Um, and it's not necessarily the, uh, the same kind of image that, that people have had of college life from, uh, from back when we were there. So really love what they're doing. And if folks would love to get involved, uh, you know, we're always looking to get out onto more campuses. Mm -hmm. So check out swipehunger.org and you'll go there and you'll be able to see if, um, if your school is currently working with us. If not, we'd love to talk to them. Um, or from the website, you can also go to swipe or, uh, swipehunger.org slash donate and to find out more how to get involved there. That's great. Thank you. I, uh, I didn't, I did know that that was an issue just from being a college student. Uh, you know, yeah. I remember my roommate and I tried to decide, do we need milk or bread more? <laughs> you know, yeah. you're coming down to some of those tough decisions when you're in school and you're, you're out there trying to be an adult, mm -hmm. um, but don't always have the resources. So I love that you're bringing attention to this. Um, and I do think it's great that if more campuses can get involved. Mm -hmm. um, so I want them to, uh, to connect with you. Mm -hmm. For, for people that are on YouTube, if you're watching this, or if you're on the website, you can actually just go and take a snapshot of the QR code, um, and you'll be able to, to go ahead and donate directly. Um, and if not, like Ben already gave you the information, <laughs> if you're listening to us today, so definitely want mm -hmm. you to check it out. Ben, what's next for you? Any big plans um, as you think about, you know, a, a, the days when you and your wife and your daughter can get back out there again? Any big plans? Um, well, the first one is uh, just figuring out when um, she, uh, my daughter, can meet my brother. Uh, he's been over in New York, um, trapped over there, but uh, getting he has his first vaccination shot done, ready for the next one, and then that's one thing we're excited about. Um, another is uh, this weekend actually going away for a weekend for the first time while my in-laws are in town watching the baby. That's great. <laughs> um, so right now I'm living life on a very week-to-week -week kind of basis. Um, I do like how having a baby kind of makes you. Uh, kind of focus a lot more on the here and now. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of getting out there, though, just looking forward to uh, a lot of high fives and hugs. Yeah. Uh, there have not been enough high fives over the last year and a half, uh, not by a long shot. So, and uh, and yeah, let alone hugs, but let's just start with high fives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. Well, as you think about, you know, your daughter as she mm -hmm. grows up and she's gonna be working to discover her unique, special and different, any advice you wanna give her? Yeah, um, I would um, I would say it's um, first of all, if you are concerned that you are in a place where you don't belong or you're not good enough or you're not smart enough, it might be that you actually are too good and too smart, uh, and you know that uh, it's, it's not necessarily just you. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of folks. Um, going into the workplace for the first time um, are really worried about checking every single box um, and making sure that there are no mistakes ever. Um, but that's how we learn things. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and as soon as we get past that, we're able to actually start really developing who we are. Um, and so we're looking to you know, don't hold back from what makes you you. Um, you know, find, uh, find a place where you can find people that you can learn from and places that also have places that you can teach things to, um, and to you know stand in that um, uh, stand in that energy. And it, it took um, 
it takes most people to get through their whole 20s to realize that actually nobody knows anything. Um, and so I'd love to be able to impart that message a little sooner. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. And also, and I, and I think that's great advice. I tell people all the time, if you're constantly down on yourself, it could be that you're in the wrong environment and circumstances mm -hmm. and that you just need to change those, mm -hmm. not change you. Um, so I, I think your daughter is very lucky to have you <laughs> as a dad and to help get her those lessons early on. Um, and it's been fantastic getting to know you. Oh. I've really enjoyed it. You as well, Jen. Thanks so much. Yes. Well, that's a wrap for See and Free Studio. Please come back and subscribe at seeandfreestudio.com. You can visit us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you want to find us. We're so glad to have you. Please come back and see us. Thank you.